travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And uh, this week, well, what the hell music is this? Will someone just stop it? Spearsy, if we've learned nothing else in our decades on this planet, you can't stop the music. You can't stop the music. Nobody can stop the music. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever app you're listening to now, because obviously you found us. It's all working out. You can also listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find that in the browser of your choice at clnsmedia.com. And hey, since it's still kind of a new year, how about you be our friend on social media, too? Just like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Ah, save me, Neil Diamond. Thank you. Seriously? Okay, let's all get a handle on things right now. Uh, there's a reason why we're playing The Village People and Neil Diamond. It's not a great reason, but that has never stopped us before. We, we don't work negative a lot on this show, but today we're going to talk about something that's a little negative. Today we're going to cover the Golden Raspberry Awards, a.k.a. the Razzies, which were born in the early 80s. And I'm, uh, as we used to say on Sing Street, happy, sad to say that both the Village People and Neil Diamond and their movies from 1980 are going to figure prominently in this unholy adventure. It is something that man was not meant to disturb. Death has always surrounded it. It is not of this earth. Brad's right, though. We don't normally go negative on this show. It's, it's something that we kind of talked about a few years ago where we said, look, we're, we're, we're here to do to talk about the good things, not the bad things. But it's kind of hard... To ignore the Razzies, isn't it, Brad? Yeah, this and this is a topic that we think of like every year just after the Academy Awards when it's kind of too late. And so this year we got out in front of it a little bit. So uh, we're going to talk about, I, I think the first actual ceremony was in 1981, but the movies were from 1980. So we didn't want to wait another year. Exactly. So, so here's the general background. If you're not familiar with the Razzies, um, it's a parody award show. That honors the worst cinematic underachievements, <laughs> which I think is a nice way to put it. it it's it's you had the ability to do so much more, you, you came up just a little bit short. Yeah, there are definitely some nominees for the for the nineteen eighty Razzies that I like. I'm still trying to figure out how they went so wrong. Yeah. So the Razzies were co-founded by uh, a pair of UCLA film graduates and um, film industry insiders. John J.B. Wilson and Mo Murphy. 
And their little ceremony usually precedes the Academy Awards. It's been around since, as Brad said, 1981. Turns out here's what really happened. So John J.B. Wilson used to have these potluck dinner parties at his house in Hollywood the night of the Academy Awards. You get all his friends over there. You know, you got the cocktail wieners. You know, you got the Mm. (laughs) Velveeta and salsa and stuff like that, I imagine. Dog food dip. Yeah, I'm already already wanting to end the podcast to go have a snack. But in 1981, just as the original Oscars were winding up, uh, Wilson and his friends probably, I, I don't want to assume, but I'm just going to assume that their alcohol was probably a factor. Yeah, <laughs> you know, some other mind-altering substance may also have been present. This True. is Hollywood in the 1980s. Yeah. So, so Wilson and his buddies come up with the idea... You okay there, Brad? Oh, yeah, fine. I know. You do live in Southern California, so I have to worry about why I get texts from you at 5 in the morning. Just high on life, my friend. Yeah. So, as I said, you know, cast your mind back to the Academy Awards of 1981. The ceremonies are just winding up, and they start lampooning them and coming up with their own imaginary awards to give films from 1980s. It turns out that Wilson had just gone to see a double feature of, wait for it, Can't Stop the Music and Xanadu. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. What, did they take his money for that? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a tough, tough sell. You need to get free popcorn with that one. So they had their little, they had their little uh, in, you know, informal ceremony, but it actually got picked up by the press about a week later and it's been off to the races ever since. So that first little dinner party became twice the size, then four times the size. And then they, I think they started going to actual real venues to hold them. And they do invite the people who are nominated to show up and pick up their awards. And sometimes it does happen. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah. (laughs) If somebody will just nominate us for like worst podcast award, we'll show up. (laughs) We'll be an award winning podcast again, Steve. I know it's been a while since we've uh, we've done that. Not since, since we've landed the, any hardware. Yeah, that's fine. We're we're not in it for the money or the awards. Remind me again yeah. why we're in it. <laughs> I don't know. I came for the waters. Yeah. So okay. So even though today we're going to focus on the 1980 movies that were nominated for that very first Razzie ceremony, it's fun to note that there were several other 80s flicks that we would consider classics. Maybe with quotation marks, you know, air quotation marks around the word classics. But there were other flicks from the 80s that won Razzies, and so I want to mention those some right now. Annie, Endless Love, Rocky IV, and Roadhouse were all nominated for a worst movie Razzie in their respective years. Really? Rocky IV? Yeah. Rocky IV. <sighs> I, I get Endless Love. It's, it's one of those things where it's a great song. Bad movie. Um, Roadhouse, it can't be fun, but campy can also be, you know, yeah. Raztic. I, I, is that a word? <laughs> Raztastic. Um, here's the thing. I feel like the early half of the decade, we're going to look at these lists and, and be like, oh, I love that movie because it was on, you know, it was one of those movies that was on HBO every afternoon. And so we've, we're familiar with them. And I, I'm going to guess that as we get deeper into the decade on this, we're going to be more in agreement with the Razzies board. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the first half, it's going to be, those are cult classics. How dare you? <laughs> right. Uh, some of the movies that actually won the Razzie 
for our worst movie in their respective years. And I'm sure we'll have follow-up shows where we'll go more into detail. Mommy Dearest, which I just watched again the other day. Huh. Yeah, not not a great movie. Uh, First Blood Part 2. Interesting. Okay. Don't remember seeing that. They've got kind of a thing for Stallone, don't they? <sighs> yeah. Howard the Duck makes the list. Mm. That deservedly so. But here's the one that kind of blows my mind. Cocktail with, with Tom Cruise. Really? Yeah. It must be the poetry. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. Conversely, there are some weird correlations between the Oscars and the Razzies. For example, although this didn't happen in the 80s, Aerosmith, with their song I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, was nominated for both an Oscar for Best Song and for a Razzie as the worst song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, tastes are a funny thing. That brings up the whole Armageddon argument, which we're not getting into today. There's an Armageddon Uh, argument? Yeah, whether it's one of the best movies of all time or one of the worst movies of all time. Oh, I I would say it's a very entertaining movie. That's exactly how I feel about it, too. It's all funny until somebody gets shot in the leg. But it turns out that the classic Wall Street is so far, I believe... The only movie to win both a Razzie and an Oscar. Oh, nice. Brad, can you figure... It, they were for acting performances. Can you can you remember who won for Best Actor and who won the Razzie for Worst Actor? Um, uh, Michael Douglas won for Wall Street, if I remember correctly. Right, for Gordon Gecko. Yeah, Greed is... Well, you know. Um, so, Worst. Who is, who is just wooden in that? Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm trying to think <laughs> of a, a. So you say actor? Well, I'm, I'm <sighs> giving you the uh, gender neutral term. Daryl Hannah would win the Razzie for be- worst supporting actress. I was I was trying to throw you off. By wow. Saying, well, you did by saying actor. Sean Young Poor. could have easily won it as well. She was pretty awful in that. Oh yeah. Neither here nor there. Anyway. There's our general background. Let's talk specifics about 1980 because I think for the most part, these are a lot of movies that we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes. We're not going to spend a ton of time going into the background of these movies because, first of all, I don't want to give up the idea that someday we might actually do a whole show on some of these movies. (laughs) Steve holds those out (laughs) over my head to threaten me. Like, if you don't get your act together, we're going to do a whole show on Xanadu, Brad. (laughs) No! We are we are going to do a whole show on Xanadu. Just so see, you know. uh, but uh, here <laughs> it's true. We're, we're, we'll just touch on these things, but we'll, I, I swear, I feel like there's a whole show coming on Xanadu, and I, I feel that we just a lot of people just clicked off their podcast apps when we said that. Okay, stay with us. <laughs> stay with us. Okay, here we go. Now, cast your mind back to 1980. A lot of these movies were rated R, and we didn't see them, uh, or they were complete flops and such. So they never really got their run on HBO, so we never saw them there. So there's going to be a lot of movies that are just like, nah, they weren't really on our radar. But there's going to be plenty that were. Let's start with the worst picture. Nominated for the worst picture in 1980 for a Golden Raspberry are Can't Stop the Music, Cruising, The Formula, Friday the 13th, The Jazz Singer, The Nude Bomb. I definitely missed that one. <laughs> that's a that's a get smart, isn't it? Was that the get smart the first get smart movie? All I know is self fulfilling prophecy as a title. 
Raise the Titanic, bad karma. Saturn three. Can we watch that if we didn't watch Saturn one and Saturn two? Sorry, Brad joke. Windows and the aforementioned campy classic Xanadu. How many of those have you seen, Steve? Oh, I've seen Can't Stop the Music, Friday the 13th, Jazz Singer, and Xanadu. You just watched Xanadu for the first I time of the night. I just watched it for this show, gentle listener. I I took one for the team and watched Xanadu for the first time this week. Wow. Wow. You think? That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some movies that don't make any sense. <coughs> Tron, <coughs> that I love. But this is... Like I'm trying to figure out for the, the whole movie. I just feel bad for Gene Kelly. I'm like, who wrote your lines? This doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it it really is a tough, tough sell to find the through line of the of the the like what's happening and why it's happening. Like, why are these people behaving this way? Um, but uh, I will say, if it has any redeeming value to it, it's the ELO half of the soundtrack, which I really like. Yeah, it's fantastic. But it is yeah, one of those things where I could play it nonstop. Just kind of weird. I mean, you know, okay, it's Olivia Newton John. You know, that's okay. Um, she roller skates a lot. She's got these really kind of cool custom. Like I couldn't tell if they were boot roller skates or if she was roller skating with leg warmers on. I, it was unclear. But yeah. there's a lot of roller skating. Yeah, and and a well, lot of was big production time. numbers, like big song and dance numbers. Well, musicals were still alive. I mean, Greece had sort of reinvented the genre. I suppose. But what happened was, movies like Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music just destroyed the genre. I really would like to go back. Can I use the podcast time machine to go and sit in on the pitch meeting for Xanadu? Because I just want to witness the amount of drugs that had to be present in the room when someone said, yes, have a couple million dollars, go make that picture. Well, think about it. You've got Michael Beck playing Sonny. And Michael Beck was fresh off of the movie The Warriors. Yeah, you have that's Olivia Newton-John fresh off the fresh off of uh, Greece. So you had two really strong leads. You you bring in Gene Kelly, which I believe was his last cinematic appearance. Yeah. So here here's a legend of Hollywood in its golden age. You've got the right people. You've got ELO, who are on top of the world at that point doing. Yeah. And, a good chunk and of the Olivia Newton-John doing the other side, and she's a right. bank, bankable musician. Absolutely. I mean, right. there's definitely – you have the pieces on the board. It's just somehow they didn't make the right moves with them. Right. Well, in truly anticlimactic fashion, did Xander do win the award for best movie, for worst picture? It did not. Oh, no. <laughs> Instead, the honor went to the Village People movie, Can't Stop the Music. It's the musical extravaganza that launches the 80s. It's Alan Carr's Can't Stop the Music. You can't stop the music. Once you see it, you'll know why you can't stop the glamour. Do the shake, do the shake, do the shake. Stop the excitement. So I, I, I got one other question about a movie on this list. And I, I'm going to ask you this because it comes up, it seems like every week we, we're talking about the jazz singer. I've yeah. never seen the jazz singer, but I read the plot summary and I looked at the cast. And I'm like, how did they mess this up? 
what's wrong with this movie? Because yeah. it looks like it's a good cast. I mean, it's the story's a little tropey, but that's okay. Most movies are. Like, what what happened there? You know, I haven't read the reviews, and I was surprised to see it on this list. I just watched The Jazz Singer again for the first time, I think, last week or the week before. Because I think it was on... Oh, I don't know. Amazon Prime or HBO, okay. which that would really just shock me. But I, I remember seeing it. Yeah. And think and I watched it from start to finish, just like I did when I saw it in the eighties. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong. Um well Neil Diamond, not the greatest actor in the world, but not the worst either. Yeah. Fan, fantastic soundtrack. I, I, I don't mean, know. Lawrence Olivier is in it. I mean, come on. Yeah. I know. I know. I don't get it. This is one of the ones where I'm just like you know, Friday the Thirteenth is on there. I mean, that obviously launched a gigantic franchise. Yeah, but I get the fact that it's kind of, you know, campy. It's it's you yeah. know, it's yeah. schlocky horror film. And but we kind of loved our horror films to be schlocky back then. We didn't want them to be right. You want them to follow the formula. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them to be too realistic. I mean, I still have nightmares yeah. about the 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 arrow coming through Kevin Bacon's throat. You know, it's like. You think I want to go camping anytime soon? No. Mm. <laughs> hey, wasn't that the road up for Camp Crystal Lake back there? Okay, so you mentioned uh, Jazz Singer. So the next category that the Razzies honored it back in 1981 for the 1980 movies was Worst Actor. <laughs> and they had uh, they had some good names in here. Michael Beck from Xanadu was in there. Michael Caine in Dressed to Kill, Richard Ooh. Dreyfus, Anthony Hopkins, Kirk Douglas. I was surprised to see Sam Jones from Flash Gordon on there, too. I mean, he just does what the cartoon man wants him to do. You know? <laughs> right. Bruce Jenner in Can't Stop the Music makes the list, rightfully so. Uh, but the award actually did go to Neil Diamond in The Jazz Singer. Hmm. Kipper, Day of Forgiveness. Please. Please listen to me. You used to tell me you got to know where you come from to know where you're going. Well, I know where I come from. I know where I'm going now. I got my own congregation now and they love my music. They say it makes them feel things. It makes them happy. What is so terrible? It, it, was it was it a great performance? No. I mean, but he, you know... I think we one time, one time, a long time ago, we did a series of podcasts about uh, singers who became actors and actors mm-hmm. who became singers, and it doesn't usually work. So, yeah, you know, you know, he tried. <laughs> you know, not out. everyone can follow the footsteps of Steve Spears to go from podcaster to trivia host and back. <laughs> God, that's what's going to say in my tombstone. The pizza, I mean. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at the worst actress category. Uh, so for this one, you've got uh, Nancy Allen from Dress to Kill, Faye Dunaway, wow, uh, Shelley Duvall, Farrah Fawcett, Sandra Locke, Olivia Newton-John, Talia Shire, Valerie, per- is it Perrine? I don't know. Uh, we'll say that. Deborah Reffin and Brooke Shields. And uh, yeah, I saved it for last. Brooke Shields brought that one home from uh, the Blue Lagoon. What's wrong with me when I say the things I say? I just keep on having all these strange thoughts. What kind of thoughts? Just thoughts. Funny thoughts about you and me. I don't remember her being particularly bad in that. I just kind of wanted to look at her. I really didn't care what she did. <laughs> the whole movie, it's, 
It's not a great movie. You know, it was an important movie in the sense that it, you know, for for 13-year-old boys, it was yeah. an important, important movie. <laughs> Ushered in puberty. Yeah, aside from that, it, it, it that's its really only claim to fame. The uh, <laughs> feel so bad for them. Anyway, uh, next up, worst supporting actor among the names were Marlon Brando, Charles Grodin, but one of the winners, as you would never have guessed, Lawrence Olivier in the jazz singer was he. It was a tie between him and. <laughs> it's a tie. <laughs> I can't what even. That, did that ever? Ha- would that ever happen at the Academy Awards? Like what? I don't um, know. Maybe they have an uneven number of ballots, so it doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't even know the other guy, uh, John Adams in Gloria. I have no no memory of that whatsoever. So, well, the competition for worst supporting actress was uh, also real stiff. You have Amy Irving, Elizabeth Ashley, Georg Stanford Brown in Drag from Stir Crazy. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, me either. Betsy Palmer from Friday the Thirteenth and. Maryland's man can't stop the music is in every category yeah uh, but Amy Irving and Honeysuckle Rose which I think that's the um, Willie Nelson movie isn't it it sounds like it would be <laughs> yeah I can honestly say I didn't see well I, I saw Friday the 13th I got kicked out of stir crazy as we talked about in recent weeks can't stop the music unfortunately is the movie that my mom made me see about a dozen times in the theater so anyway um, we're going to end. There were other, obviously, categories that, that we could talk about. Best, you know, worst screenplay, worst director. And uh, for what it's worth. Worst attitude among podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah. Worst director went to the director of Xanadu. Worst screenplay went to uh, Can't Stop the Music. Uh, and then there's the category that I always think is fun. Uh, worst original song. <laughs> yeah. And this one I, I have to have some fun with. There's You Baby Baby from the jazz singer which is not bad it's fine it's it's not is it the greatest song in the soundtrack no <laughs> there's uh where do you catch the bus for tomorrow from by uh, henry mancini <laughs> oh, the movie oh, no. a change of seasons oh no they should just use the pink panther theme again yeah yeah can't stop the music which was our opening tune this podcast um from from the movie as such but the award went to something I swear I've never heard of. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing ahead of time. It's not funny, Steve. It's not funny. That's like become my new ma- mantra now, my new like marching order whenever I start losing it. It's not funny, Steve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a song called The Man with Bogart's Face from the movie, of course, The Man with Bogart's Face. Here's what it sounded like. See the man with Bogart's face He's the one who will take your place He's a special kind of guy And on him you can rely A man of mystery Without a history He's a man with Bogart's face Yep, no recollection whatsoever. What the actual hell was that all about? I don't know. It's horrible. You know one thing that's not horrible, though? The The sexies. Ah, the theme song to Listener Mailbag, which is, I'm pretty sure, not the way I'm supposed to introduce this seggy, but I'm still a little freaked out from the man with Bogart's face. <laughs> the <laughs> man with Spearsy's face. Yeah. No, nobody wants my face or my stupid haircut. 
you know we're at that point now i i don't know about you but like the, the, the 80s cruise which I, which I know some people just go crazy when we mention it but it, it's coming up in about it's like a little more than a month yeah. yeah like six weeks so we're at that point now where you have to start backing up and figuring out when you're going to get that final haircut it's funny you'd say that yeah i was just thinking about that i'm like hmm i either need to do it like right now or i just have to you know go full hippie for the next month and get it cut right before I know. So, so I'm, I'm, I literally was bringing up my Google Calendar earlier and trying to figure out, can I get my haircut one more time before the uh, the cruise? Like, I do this with all important events, but uh, there's nothing more important than the cruise. Uh, but in the meantime, we got a letter from David Oxford, and I'm going to let uh, Brad read this one. Okay, here we go. Dave writes, Brad and Steve, I enjoyed your first episode last week and especially had to laugh about Steve's story about sleeping through several classes. In my freshman science class, we sat two to a table, and I was paired up with a cute girl named Heather. All right. How you doing, Heather? The class was early in the morning and so boring. One day, I put my head down on the table and fell asleep. When I woke up, I groggily said, Heather, what time is it? And a deep, manly voice responded, I'm not Heather. My teacher had let me <laughs> sleep through three class periods, and I found myself sitting next to some burly, bearded senior in remedial science. I don't think I ever fell asleep in any class again after that. I'm looking forward to another great year of being stuck in the 80s with you guys. If you'd like more 80s memories, join my Facebook group 40 years ago today. Thanks, guys. Dave in Oxford. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback on the whole nightmare episode of me falling asleep in is it trigonometry or calculus. I think it was, I think it was calculus. You know, gosh. Doing, I remember doing integrals. Everyone likes doing integrals. Oh, don't even say that stuff to me. Got another letter here from Brian in San Francisco. Brian says, Hey guys, you were discussing wedding songs during banter in a recent episode. Mine was When You Love a Woman, the last great journey song with Steve Perry. It was a 90s song, but it could have fit the late 80s sound. Hmm, something like Journey meets Peter Cetera. Still stuck in the 80s, Brian in San Francisco. That's cool. I, that's a good song. It is a good song, and that's, a, that's actually a very thoughtful analysis. Peter Cetera as the lead singer of Journey. That would that kind of melted my brain a little bit. It's a shame. I, I wish, you know, you're always pining away for, like, you, you wish some of these bands would get together one more tour. Just give me one more tour and, like... Let Steve Perry take the reins one more time, but you just know it's not going to happen. The only way that I would be okay with that is if it was also a all-access reality show. And, like, the cameras everywhere. Oh, my gosh. That would be, like, the most entertaining. Talk about watching a house burn down. Yeah. Well, especially you got some interesting personalities in that band. Yeah. So uh, I would, be I would pay, I'd pay money to see that. Yeah, I would. That would be, that would be hella entertaining. As always, we uh, we love your letters. Just remember to send them to podcast at sit80s.com. Uh, it's the mystical refrain of I want my mystery TV theme song. 
where we will play a snippet of a theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into a drawing for a uh, postal-friendly bottle opener. It's true. Strangely, that's the only four-word combination this entire show that I pronounce on the first take. Postal-friendly bottle opener. It just flows out perfectly. I, it always does kind of make me laugh that you call it post, the, the whole that's postal friendly. Like, that's what you took away from it. Not that it's got our logo on it. Not that it's made out of stainless steel. No, that it's postal friendly. Postal friendly bottle opener. See? That's three times now. It's shocking. Didn't stumble once. If people could just count the number of uh, verbal uh, fumbles and, and face plants that I make any given episode, they'd be just astounded. Yeah. They don't need to see the sausage being made. They just want to listen to the sausage. It's it's like a Vienna sausage. That's how bad the sausage is. I'm just saying. Mm. Okay. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the Mystery TV theme song from episode 534. That's the theme song to Hill Street Blues. Read some of the winners. Winners this week include Padre Paul in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Padre Paul in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Jill C in Indiana. Brian in San Francisco. Peter Ryan in Montreal. Anna Norcal. Janet Knott. Alex Murdoch. Chuck Coverley. Cincinnati. Joe. Stony Stitt. Diana Detroit. Chip in Maryland. Tom Corn in Austria. Jim Withers in Melbourne, Australia. Lee in the UK, who can't imagine the spinning prize wheel ever landing on a person who lives in the UK but still has hope. Don't hold your breath, Lee. Postage is crazy. Eric in North Seattle, <laughs> Steve from Halifax, Dave in Oxford, Jonathan Thompson, Lou, Sweet Lou, Grilly, Jeff Rocks in Indiana, Jeremy in St. Pete, Dr. John in Kentucky, Hermit Jack, Christian in Duluth, Librarian John in Michigan, Michael Mockrock Hayes, Tommy Doucette in Boston, Kevin Wench, Alan Titus, and Roxy Forrest, who writes, Hey guys, the theme for episode 534 was Hill Street Blues, which was a big deal in the kids' piano lesson world in the 80s. At nearly every piano recital, you'd hear the melody played at least three or four times by children probably too young to be watching a show so adult-themed. As far as difficulty levels were concerned, the Hill Street Blues theme fell somewhere between the preceding piano-driven hits Scott Joplin's The Entertainer from The Sting, very difficult, and the Jaws theme, which even a two-fingered monkey could play. Keep up the good work, Roxy Forrest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I actually used to have to sit through those recitals because my mom was a piano teacher and she would have them at our house. The payoff was I I got cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Even even though I took those those dreaded organ lessons from Professor Dubas for like five years or whatever, I never had to do a recital. I I don't know how I missed how I dodged that bullet, but I did. It is kind of a rite of passage if you're taking music lessons. Yeah, I don't know. I just maybe I don't I don't know how that worked out, but it worked out, and I, I have no problems. I sleep very well at night. <laughs> yeah, when my son and I were taking guitar lessons, I was shocked that he expected us to play in a recital. I'm like, oh crap! I guess I better practice. Okay, Brad, spin the wheel. Let's find out who the winner is. <laughs> And it looks like it's going to land on 
Librarian John in Michigan. Hey, John, send us your postal address, and we will get the, ready for it, postal-friendly bottle opener. Oh, it's four times, man. No drinking in the stacks, Librarian John. No drinking in the stacks. I never did that. You never did that either. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's our mystery TV theme song for this episode. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITDs.com. Ooh, that hurt. Shouldn't have done that. Ooh, <laughs> felt so good on this end. <laughs> yeah. And tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. It's a mistake. Hey, it's our latest segi called It's a Mistake, highlighting the um, the dozens, if not hundreds, of mistakes we make we in this pick show our every single episode. And flagellate <laughs> ourselves over them. Now, I knew this was going to happen as soon as we did uh, episodes on uh, Rush's drummer passing. And we did, we did a whole little, like a seven-minute mini episode, and then we talked about it again at the end of the last show. And it was just a matter of who was going to write in and say that we mispronounced his name. Yep. In this case, Dave Augie August is the man. And uh, he, he messaged me the other day and, and I, to, to point out this obvious mistake that it's Neil Peart, not Neil Pert. I got it. <laughs> that being said. <laughs> we still miss I'm you, gonna probably, Neil. <laughs> Probably still going to call him Neil Pert. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's like the Rick Ocasek, Rick Ocasek thing. Like you find yeah. out much later that that's not how he wants it pronounced. And by that time, it's kind right. of in your head. We also got a letter from someone saying we're still doing Chilliwack wrong. That it's not Chilliwack. It's, Chilli- it's Chilliwack. <laughs> I still don't know what I, we're doing wrong. Maybe we should just declare it's this podcast a, little- a Chilliwack-free zone. <laughs> Yeah, it, they say it's a it's a it's a soft eye, which makes it sound like an A. So I'm like, so then how is Chilliwack not right? Well, it, it's not right. So regional you're right. regional dialect. Last time we ever say it. regional dialects vary. Can, can I just say this one more time? Postal friendly bottle opener. Oh, okay, nailed it. Hey, that's all the time we have this week. We uh, appreciate you letting us go negative uh, this week to talk about the Razzies, the Village People, Xander do more. But seriously, sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself and uh, what we did during our beloved decade because, like Brad and myself, you're probably still hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.